And you can call this radio station till 1 o'clock. We are live here at Dr. Payne's show. Uh, Dr. Lou is here to answer your questions about pain and health in general. Bring it on. We'd love to talk to you over the uh, the next hour on this lovely Saturday afternoon. How are you doing, pal? Very good. Everything good? I don't know how lovely it is, though. Well, it's not bad out. There's no snow. It's There's lovely. No snow. Yeah, it's almost All right? It's fantastic. Summer. Yeah, that's true. The leaves are falling. It's fall. It's beautiful. It's pumpkin time. Pumpkin spice time, if you're into that. And, and they thing. haven't fallen that much, actually. They no. haven't turned that much. Yeah, yeah. No. Fall's waiting. How's the neck, buddy? Uh, the ongoing saga uh, of the doctor who actually needs help. Yeah, yeah. The doctor who's suffering from chronic pain himself. So but that's do? good. It has actually given me a certain level of yep. uh, uh, empathy to, and sympathy for exactly. people to understand. Because the one nice thing, I, I've suffered a lot of like sports injuries throughout mm-hmm. the years, like knee, ankle stuff. Um, and so, you know, obviously one of the biggest things that I see is neck, low back uh, issues with numbness, tingling presentations. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, I've started developing this stuff now too. And the one thing where it is good is now I'm actually understanding people because there was even sometimes when I would say to a patient, like, describe what it feels like to me. And they'd say, like, well, I don't really know how to describe it. And then I would say, well, is it a numbness? Is it a tingling? Is it a pinprick? And they'd say, no, it's kind of like a vibrating and this and that. It's like, yeah, I don't know what, and, you know, and I'd sit there a little bit ignorantly yeah. and be like, Man, I don't know that that makes sense. But sure enough, that's the way some of these things feel. And even sometimes my wife's been like, well, what does it feel like? And I'm like, I can't really explain it. It's just like a weird sensation. But but that weird sensation, we just simply uh, call that paresthesia. It's an altered sensation. Right. So that can be different from person to person to person. So uh, definitely those things uh, happen. And, and yeah, you can have these weird sensations and potentially there's, um, you know, everyone's experiencing them differently. And no one should tell you that, no, that's not right because... Your experience is your experience. You bet. Yeah. What else you got going on this week? Or what was happening this week? Uh, a lot of that stuff, for whatever reason, as I've always said, a lot of the numbness tingling comes in. Um, you know, and, and when we look at numbness and tingling, you're talking almost anything can cause that, right? You can have things that are uh, mechanical in nature, so just simple muscles being impinged on a nerve. You can have things towards the spine like disc herniations that are causing issues. Uh, you can have autoimmune problems, the seronegative, seropositive arthritides like rheumatoid arthritis or ankylosing spondylitis that may be putting pressure on nerves. Um, other autoimmune things that are slash neurodegenerative like something like multiple sclerosis. Right. Um, you can also have uh, things like deficiencies, uh, vitamin deficiencies and mineral deficiencies like B12 or sometimes magnesium, potassium that can lead to these types of things. They can also be a sequelae of um, more serious things going on with some cancers. There's something called the peroneoplastic syndrome where that can create a certain type of uh, neurological sensation in a person. Um, you can have anxiety, obviously, that can create that. So it, it's such a wide spectrum that I think, and it's so common that people um, feel numbness and tingling that they're often coming to me because, you know, one of the things that was interesting, I, I'm reading a book right now by, um, I forget the name of the book, but uh, the author's name is Daniel Pink. And he, and it's basically um, talking about how once upon a time we lived in a world where the experts had all the information. Mm. And so we were the problem solvers. You had a set of symptoms. You came to me yep. and I could solve those symptoms. Yep. Now that level of expertise doesn't just exist just on one side. There's more of a balance between, uh, let's say, buyer and seller. In this case, the doctor being the seller and you, the patient, being the buyer. Okay. But now you can go on Google or any search engine and type in a set of symptoms uh, and have a pretty good list. Of, of things that this could be due to. Uh, and so now people are starting to come into the realm of becoming their own experts, which is potentially a dangerous thing. I was going to say, yeah. And, that's... 
And so the experts are moved away from, you know, being these problem solvers to more being, uh, you know, people who are helping mitigate the problem. So you would still have to go to an expert. Someone would still have to come to me. And a lot of times they do come to me with a list of here's what I think it is. And my job is not to tell them, no, you're wrong. That's not what it is. It's just simply to help them sort through the information that they don't fully understand. And so it's not a bad thing to have all this knowledge at our disposal because it does make the the person, the patient, more knowledgeable about what's going on. And that can help the, the diagnostic process sometimes. But there does need to be an extent where you're relying on the experts to sort through that information. Um, because you may think that your numbness and tingling is due to, um, you know, a vitamin deficiency, but then it doesn't make sense because based on your diet, you're getting all those vitamins and you don't have low iron. So you don't have an an anemia type of thing going on, et cetera, et cetera. So there's really this, um, the experts, and I think it's in every field, not just healthcare, where the public is becoming much more knowledgeable about everything. And it's really the expert's job to just help the person sort through those issues Mm -hmm. uh, and sort through the information because you know, if you're not an expert and you're sitting there with all this information, it's great because you have it at your disposal, but you don't know necessarily how to put the pieces together. And that's where we come into play when it comes to healthcare and pain management is we want you to be a knowledgeable um, patient, but you need our help to help sort through that information because, you know, then once you're not going the route of using an expert, what ends up happening is that obsessive compulsive behavior of where you're Googling everything and then you're catastrophizing it. Worst you case can, scenario. Yeah, you're going sure. to see the worst case scenarios on Google, right? Like that's just the reality. And 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 most of the times, anytime there's a blog related to healthcare, you're also going to have people who have the most rare type of a rare type of disease making comments. And so that throws people off. Right. And that's all very dangerous because we you know in healthcare we do say what's common is common and what's rare is rare and there's a reason why that's the case and the vast majority of problems are things that you know especially when it comes to pain management the vast majority are just mechanical issues they're just simply related to something going wrong with either the muscle the joint or whatever and you know in rare instances there are the more serious issues uh, that can cause those those problems but this is where the experts can help you sort through that information and figure out which end of that spectrum do you potentially live on and I have that same conversation with most of my patients where I tell them, you know, pain is on a spectrum. And if we're dealing towards the end of the spectrum, the right side of the spectrum, some very, very serious things can cause pain, cancers, infections, etc. In the middle, you have things that are, are more serious, but not necessarily life-threatening, like let's say like something autoimmune, like a rheumatoid arthritis, right. which can cause a lot of complications, but won't necessarily kill you. And then on the left side, you can have the very, very benign, just a simple muscle cramp that's impinging on a nerve or whatever. So you have to look at the spectrum when you say pain and determine where on the spectrum does a person fit with their pain. It's sorting through the uh, the Google information and disposing a lot of it for these patients too because there's so much misinformation out there as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what I mean. And, and a lot of when you type in some very rare things, you'll often come to blogs about these issues, right? And now all of a sudden, you don't actually have experts commenting on stuff. You have people that have symptoms commenting on things right. and other people that have similar symptoms giving them advice. And again, that's may not necessarily be the best thing. And you as a person, if you're suffering and you start reading these things, could potentially be scary because now you have two people who don't know very much talking about something and potentially catastrophizing it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, uh, and again, I'm not saying that, you know, you have a problem, you should never go on to Google and and figure it out. I think it's a a great thing that that there's more of an equivalent knowledge base between buyer and seller, in this case, doctor and patient. 
Um, but that needs to be mitigated to some extent so that it doesn't lead to an obsessive compulsive behavior. Phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You have questions, you have pain questions, health questions, bring them on. Here at 1 o'clock, Dr. Lou will answer them, barring that info at paincarecanada.com through email. And when we're not on the air, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. It's the Doctor Payne Show Talk Radio AM six hundred and forty. It is twelve fourteen on your Saturday afternoon. Yeah, phone lines open four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six hundred and forty on sale. You have questions? Uh, bring it on or email info at paincarecanada.com, which you just got one. Yeah? I did get one. So okay. yeah, it's it's actually quite long. So I'm going to try my best to paraphrase this. Uh, but this is a gentleman who's had uh, low back pain for 25 years. Mm. Um, it was originally hurt, um, uh, let's see here, in a work accident. It settled down after seeing uh, a chiropractor at that time. A few years later, he started to develop pain again from activities that he was doing, golf, canoe work, uh, and house uh, work around the cottage in the house. Um, started getting worse and worse, um, and then started uh, deciding to see different healthcare professionals yep. like massage therapy, physiotherapy, chiropractic, etc. cetera, uh, was able to manage it uh, for periods of time with it continuing to reoccur. Uh, lately, it's it started to get really, really bad and, and to the point where the pain's not going away anymore from those more passive types of uh, modalities. He's had several different types of imaging studies, including x-rays and MRIs, and says that doctors have essentially said that there's really nothing uh, wrong with the exception of three lower discs that are uh, slightly bulged um, and is wondering if there's anything else that can be done. So this is not an un- uncommon type of presentation here, and this, and this actually happens all too often. Person hurts their back doing something, they go for some type of therapy. The therapy in all likelihood, especially when it's the early stages uh, or the first type of injury, will often help and get rid of the pain completely. Right. The thing that's often missed first and foremost at that point is rehabilitation. If you've hurt your back one time and it's your first time, that's essentially your body has a core weakness. It's starting to develop some type of a core weakness. If you don't, you can go through the therapy to get that pain away, that, that acute pain, if you don't do anything towards the rehabilitation aspect of the cord long term, then this is exactly what happens. You are likely to start re-experiencing back pain for the rest of your life. You will then have that back pain. You will go get it treated. It will get better, but it will continue to yep. happen more and more Tell often. Me about it. And you know, in this gentleman's case, this is 25 years later, and now it's really bad. With some people, it's five years later. With some people, it's two years later. But the key that's often missed is the rehabilitation component, and it's. I don't want to say often missed because the practitioners don't include it. It's because patients, once you've given them, you've got them better, you tell them, you know what, now we need to do a rehab program to strengthen. Yes. People often sit there and say, yeah, but I'm better now. I don't, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm good. If it happens again. Exactly. You get complacent. And, and that's fine if that's the first time. The second time when it happens, once you've been told again and you're still complacent, third, fourth, you, you end up getting to a point where you start to now uh, be kind of past that point of no return where you should have done something more proactive sooner because this is what can happen now this doesn't mean that 25 years later from based on again it's it's hard for me to say without assessing this person but based on what i'm reading here um the rehabilitation component has never been part of the uh, of the treatment plan it's always kind of been passive intervention something that a healthcare professional can do to him whether it's a chiropractor doing certain manual therapies or a physical therapist doing certain uh, manual therapies or right. a massage therapist and that's all great that definitely has its place I'm, I'm not suggesting that it doesn't but if you miss that rehabilitation component where you actually start to strengthen the core which is what supports the the low back 
then that's when these types of injuries are likely to reoccur over time. And then what ends up happening is once you've experienced something for so long, and and you probably know this now, John, you start creating that neuropathic pain. Neuropathic meaning that you've created a network from your brain to that area that it's even in the there. absence of a physical problem, mm -hmm. you can still have a learned behavior. Yes. Uh, and the best example of that is that phantom limb pain that I often talk about and use as, uh, as my analogy that these people can have a limb that's missing, but yet still have pain in that limb. And that exists because there's still a brain map uh, in your, in your, there's still a map inside your brain of that limb. And that's what neuropathic pain is. It's the same as if you learn to ride a bike and then you don't do it for 25 years um, and you grab a bike, you'll still relatively be able to get the hang of it and do it oh, pretty yeah. quickly. It's yeah. just because you've created a neural pathway. That's all neuropathic pain is. It's pain created by a neural pathway. You, you, you fire certain neurons together and those things will create a certain pathway and that pathway is there. And so now when you're dealing with chronic pain, even in the absence of a physical problem, these people are still experiencing pain. So the question becomes, does rehabilitation necessarily help with that? It may be part of the issue or part of the solution, but you may also have to now at this point throw in the psychosocial uh, yeah. interventions such as cognitive behavior therapy or just coming to grips with understanding these things. One of the interesting things I, I, I teach as well, and, and I was getting my students to kind of look at some outcomes um, for low back pain and neck pain. And one of the things that seems to be very, very consistent throughout the research, you can almost always change the treatment intervention, whether it's non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like an Advil or mm -hmm. something, or whether it's um, an anti-inflammatory, or whether it's a manual therapy, or whether it's a physical therapy. The one outcome that seems to always be most beneficial and consistently there in the literature that uh, supports that people actually get better is education. Once people understand what's going on with them, and this is something that I think is greatly missing in the healthcare system and in people's uh, lives, is if they don't know what's going on with them, they tend to feel worse. As soon as there's an educational component implemented where they can learn about the disease that they have or the syndrome that they have or the malady, that's your word, uh, that they have, then they can start getting better because they are now knowledgeable about that. And, you know, you can compare it to buying a car. If you don't know anything about a car, you're likely to have more problems with it versus if you know right. a little bit something about, you know, even the most basic things. And so this is the issue is that education is one of the most important components of, of outcomes and getting people better. And this is what I spend a lot of my time doing with people. Oftentimes when I see a person they don't actually need any more intervention or therapy or rehabilitation because they're doing it. What they're missing is no one's ever put the pieces together for them right. and educated them on what's going on and how you can uh, and how understanding helps to the acceptance you component bet. as well, for sure. I want to talk more about uh, that exact topic and your phone calls. If you can relate, uh, give us a call, 416-870-6400, star 640. On sale, Dr. Payne Show, Talk Radio, AM640. Please call 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. I know there's someone other than you and I in pain out there. Yeah, well, yeah it's just, for sure. It's just yeah. a fact. Yeah, yeah, right? for sure. They may not realize it's a call-in. <laughs> Jody, I think, is in pain, too. Everybody's in pain. It's something you didn't mention, though, about uh, when you get a clear explanation of something. for Yeah, for 21, six, uh, 26 years, I had lower back pain. And I told you last week we had this discussion off air, and I said, you know, I've been told it's, you know, subluxation and minor rotoscoliosis and bulging disc and facet joint pain. So I said, what does that mean? What does that structure mean? Well, how, how come when you hurt it, yeah. You understand the sudden, oh, you get that electric shock yeah. that everybody knows what we're talking about who has lower back pain. You get that crippling, shocking pain. I said, why does it hurt for three days afterwards? And you explained why. Yeah, now exactly. Now it makes so much more sense, yeah. right? 
And and when you look at the spine and and how complex the spine is in comparison to all the other bones in the body, there's so many different joints there. And one of the other things that I'll often do with people with spine complaints is I'll actually bring in a spine model and I'll give them a quick anatomy lesson. You know, here are the vertebrae, here's the disc, and then on the outside, on the back, you have these things called the facet joints, right. which is what you talk about. And most people have heard about the vertebrae, and most people have heard about the disc when it comes to like disc herniations yep. and things like that. And they think that is the joint that causes movement. That doesn't. Those the vertebrae and the and the disc all it simply does is absorb shock okay towards the back of the spine you have these things called facet joints the feds the facet joints are what create the movement in the spine now not every one segment has a lot of movement but then when you couple it together with the rest of the spine because our spine has you know seven uh segments in the cervical spine another 12 in the thoracic, thoracic spine and then another five in the lumbar spine and that's the typical person sometimes people might have six in one area and 13 or one right. less etc um but essentially, when you couple that movement together, that's what allows us the ability to do all the things that we do with our spine. And one of the things that's interesting about the facet joints is you mentioned that you had facet hypertrophy, I think it was. And, and, a, and a lot of people will come in with an X-ray or an MRI report saying, I've been told that I have a hypertrophy. That just simply means that that joint is wearing down uh, and they're, you know it's becoming bigger. When the joint becomes bigger there's not, the movement range is somewhat limited. Okay. Now, the way the body works is it's got to compensate somehow. So if, if an area of the spine is not moving as much, well, then it looks to other areas to move a little bit more. And those are often the areas where pain can be created because now there's an excessive amount of movement happening. And now that's not always the case, but in general. The, also, what's interesting when you look at the facet joint, the facet joint um, kind of is... A, a, a very small version of the knee. There's there's a little meniscus in there. There's a little piece mm -hmm. of cartilage in there. Sometimes people that throw out their back uh, is simply that that meniscus, that little piece of cartilage gets stuck in the facet joint and then you need something to you know make it unstuck. And that's kind of that crippling pain that you were talking about. Um, sometimes with the electric shock pain, that could be a disc bulge that's re-aggravated, that's putting pressure on the nerve, and then you get that sciatic mm -hmm. type of symptom, uh, depending on where the disc herniation is. Sometimes disc herniations in the low back that are a little bit higher towards L1, L2, people will complain of pain to the groin area and down the front of the leg because that is the yep. innervation of the femoral nerve. The femoral nerve is the equivalent of the sciatic nerve except for the front of the leg. Um, and the only reason why sciatic nerve issues are more common is because the sciatic nerve is made up of the lower segments of the lumbar spine, like L4, 5, S1, S2. And obviously, because of gravity, that just predisposes to more injuries in that area. And that's just the way it works, even when you look at the neck. You're more likely to bulge a disc in your neck at C6, uh, 7 of the neck versus C3, 4, just because of the very likelihood right. that it's lower down, there's a little bit more weight. Uh, and those things in the in the back is the same. And then we have the thoracic spine, which is much less common to have those types of injuries because of the rib cage, that inherent stability that's provided by the rib cage. And this is why rehabilitation of the neck and the low back is so important because really the only thing supporting those two areas of the spine are muscles. Musculature. Exactly. And yeah. in the and in the thoracic spine, you have the opposite. You have um, the, the, the rib cage, which provides an inherent amount of stability. So which tells us why stability is so important. Cause if you look at a model of the body and you rip away the organs and you rip away everything, you'll see on a skeleton that pretty much it's just, it's just the spine in the low back and it's just the spine yeah. in, in, in the neck. And the only other stuff that's there is soft tissue. So making sure that those soft tissues work the right way 
is very, very important towards the prevention of treatment of the of pain in the neck and in the back, but also in prevention of those things. Now, I found, just found it interesting, you know, and, and for my particular situation, we talked about last week, I was, you know, washing my car and I moved the wrong way with the brush. Oh, and I said, well, why does it hurt afterwards? I get the initial, you said, because a muscle had to compensate for a joint not being able to go that far. Yeah, so that's so, on that, and that that changed everything in my in my mindset. Yeah, and so me. that's another thing that happens is your your joints are are created they're puzzle pieces, so they provide right. an inherent amount of stability, and your muscles are really meant for the movement component. Whenever something goes wrong in a joint, it goes a little bit past the range that the body right. wants. There's sensors in that joint that are sending information to your brain at all times. Basically, it's called proprioception, your ability for you to know, for your mind to know where you are in space, that my left arm right now is stretched out or that my right arm is stretched out. When that information goes back, anytime there's a faulty uh, signal that goes back, the brain basically senses danger. So, okay, you do something a the little The joint's further. basically saying, I'm not supposed to go this far. Yeah, it's saying, I'm not supposed to go this far. And the brain says, okay, well, the only thing I can do right now is throw your body into spasm, throw those local structures, those local muscles into spasm. That way it keeps that joint safe. And that's a lot so it's of- amazing. It's amazing. It's a lot of the sequelae of what yeah. people end up feeling. So you can originally hurt a joint- uh, but what you actually end up feeling in that long-term pain may just be muscles that are in spasm trying to protect that area. Wow. And that's when manual therapy is very good because you can release that type of spasming. You maybe can do manipulation to release the joint a little bit. But then again, long-term, you have to rehabilitate that area. It's also the reason why people who have hurt their backs, who have had disc herniations, you, you'll go through with them on how they should be picking up stuff properly, et cetera. And, you know, if they're going to something that's really heavy, they know they got to brace their core, they got to bend at the knees, and they got to do all this stuff. It's always the most monotonous activities like putting on your sock where it gets you because you're not thinking I need to stabilize in that yeah, moment. Grabbing a quarter. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just not something that seems that important or that threatening that your mind doesn't think of it but that's the very important thing in low back pain and that's why core rehabilitation has to be to the point where you're rehabilitating that core and that core strength is present 100 percent of the time not just when you need it for something we heavy. can all use more this sound familiar sound interesting fascinating calls would love to talk to you 416-870-6400 star 640 on cell info at paincarecanada.com and you can call the clinic as well a free consultation get it happening one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U Dr. Payne Show Talk Radio AM640 I must say the highlight of the show is the music going yeah, the, in. It's, the, like, the, it's like an 80s video yeah, game the, in an arcade the changing in the music is nice yeah for sure you know what I find fascinating this whole thing with the con. D- tell me how the consultation works. So if I'm interested in my listening now, should be calling in. But if I'm not, how do I get how do I get going? You just simply call one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. Um, there's two options you can do. So okay. the consultation is basically, I can hear out your complaint and determine is this something that I can assess? Because for example, we've had it on the show. Maybe someone calls with a stomach issue, right? I'm not a GI specialist, so that I can simply refer you to a person or maybe hear you out and at least start to point you in the right direction, right? So, you know, you start telling me something, I may suggest go back to your family doctor and get this, this, or this done. Mm -hmm. If it's a musculoskeletal issue, so something to do with aching muscles, joints, uh, nerve issue, what headaches, things like that, that in order for me to give you specific advice, I need to assess you. I can't I can't get specific, yeah. right? It's just, it's not prudent on anyone's part. I don't want to be giving out advice if I'm not sure about what's going on. Uh, but I'm happy to have, I think the, the first easiest step is just the consultation. You call that number, you hit option two, it leaves me a voicemail. 
All I need in the voicemail, voicemail is your name, your phone number. Um, and just a quick thing, I've got low back pain. You don't have to go into the history right. of it because I'm going to call you and we'll get into that. And from there, I'll just simply, uh, we'll have a conversation. It'll be about 10, 15 minutes. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll start to determine what's the best next step. Oftentimes, the best next step is uh, to come in for an assessment, but that's not always the case. Sometimes people will call and say, you know, I'm waiting for an MRI and it's two weeks away and I'll suggest, okay, well, let's wait for that MRI. Then give me a call back. Let's see what uh, that says. And then we can go from there. So that it's just that simple. You just, just get to a bird's eye view and then you can take it from there if you need to be. Yeah. Right? And, and yeah. you know, here's the thing. Most, I get this all the time. Most people are going into their, you know, GPs offices, they're walking, uh, doctors, and they're just not getting the right answers for pain management. It's just it's just the reality of they're not experts in this. They, they know what they're doing. Their job is to uh, oversee and then refer. Right. The great thing about this is if you're unsure about what to do, it's just a simple phone call. You're just calling me. You're leaving me a voicemail. I'll get in contact with you or email me, info at paincarecanada.com. Uh, and same thing, I'll send you an email back on what the best next steps are. And, and it's just that simple. It doesn't cost anything to do that. Zero dollars. And it's not just coming to your uh, your clinic if need be in North Etobicoke. You've got, uh, you got your fingers spread wide. You've got providers, people all over the yeah, place. Yeah, providers. And it, again, it, people will often call and say, okay, well, uh, I've got low back pain. What do I need? I don't know. I need to assess that. Yeah. Sometimes the recommendation might be physiotherapy. Sometimes it might be chiropractic. Sometimes it might be, I need you to go see a surgeon. Sometimes it might be an MRI. Sometimes it might be, you need to go see a psychologist because it's a chronic pain issue. Sometimes it might be, here's an exercise program. Sometimes it's here, read this book. Like it, it, it changes, right? Not, you can't, you can't say that all back pain, just as an example, using back pain is always the same. Because yeah. again, pain exists on a spectrum. What is causing that pain? Pain is just simply a symptom that we feel. And we can feel that for many, many different reasons. So the recommendation, the treatment recommendation is dependent on what the problem that I identify is. And so you're essentially putting your trust in me that I should be able to identify your problem, which, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I think I'm pretty good from the pain management perspective. The other thing is I've surrounded myself with a great team that even if I'm unsure of anything, I have my resources to people that I can go to speak with, get them to come in and help me figure it out. This is, it's, you know, we, we I'll do this often where I may have a very uh, complicated case and I'll do kind of like a grand rounds with some of my key people where I'll just discuss the case and, and see like, am I missing something? Is there something? It, see they come exactly. up with something, right? And, yeah. and it's always good to have a bunch of minds working on something, but um, that's the extent of the, the level of help that you can get with me. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. If you have any questions, pain questions, bring them on. And it's, it's like you said, it's pain management. It's not always like, come see me, pain, gone forever. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, I had a call the other day from a gentleman who was uh, talking about, you know, the pain that he's been having um, and that, you know, he hoped by now would be gone. And he was essentially saying to me, like, you know, what is it that you can offer that can take my pain away? And I basically said, uh, you know, let me just be upfront, and I try to be upfront with everybody, and even right now with everybody listening. I've got no magic bullets. There's no magic cures out there. There's this isn't one of those things here. Try this; it'll solve all your problems. We're here for pain, proper pain management. The best chance that you have at living a good quality of life, if you suffer with pain, is that you manage that pain properly. If you experience whatever, I don't care, pick it, ankle pain. Let's just deal with ankle sure. pain. You experience ankle pain one time in your life, guess what? You're likely to re-experience that ankle pain again in your life. And every time that you re-experience it, you're likely to keep re-experiencing it more and more at greater severities for longer periods of time. That's just the reality. That is the reality of pain. 
so what we do is essentially pain management is trying to diminish the intensity of exacerbations, trying to diminish the uh, frequency of them, and trying to d uh, diminish how closely together they're happening. So if you, you're an ankle pain sufferer and your pain was used to happen once a, a year, and now it's happening once every six months, uh, or now you've even noticed it's once every few weeks, that clearly tells us that something's going the wrong it's a pathway way. pathway going here. We can start to spread it back out the other way where we can get back to maybe, you know, one time a year, one time every few years. But if I if I ever sat there or anybody in my team ever sits there and says, yeah, you'll, you know, after you do this, you'll never feel that again ever in your whole life, they'd be lying to you. Just it's an absolute yeah. lie. Anybody that tells you that they can take your pain away forever, that word forever, that's just a lie. It, it does not happen. Uh I shouldn't say it doesn't happen because anything can happen, but for someone to advertise it, that's, yes. there's no research to support that. It would be impossible to ever say that. If you're one of the lucky ones that has had some type of treatment for something and you've never, ever re-experienced that pain again in your life, you know, that, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You won the lottery on that. But the reality is, and even if in a, that ankle issue, it may not be that ankle. It may be that knee next time because of the relation and yes. function. So it, it just is the way that pain management works. On air, 416-870-6400, star 640 to call in. You have pain, you have questions. Bring them on. Dr. Lou here till uh, 1 o'clock this afternoon. Info at paincarecanada.com through email as well. Dr. Pain Show Talk Radio, AM 640. 1243, Dr. Pain Show. Still got a few minutes if you uh, want to call in, 416-870-6400. Answer your pain questions. It is getting close to that time of year, regardless of how much grass is still out there. The winter, they said, like they say every year, it's going to be more snow than usual in Toronto. That always brings about car, car accidents, accidents yes. right? Yeah, and actually there um I think last week there was a disproportionate amount of uh, calls that I had with relation to car accidents. Now, these weren't car accidents that had happened now, these were car accidents that had happened a while ago. And, you know, unfortunately, in my experience, one of the places where you see chronicity really uh, develop a lot is uh, in the car accident world, right. unfortunately. Whiplashes and stuff. Yeah. Right? And, you know, there's a lot of things around this. Um, you know, number one, e even when people think about, you know, a low level collision, 40, 50 kilometers an hour getting rear ended. When you actually look at what happens to the body in that, it's pretty significant, right? So the trauma that actually happens is significant. The next thing that I think the problem is with the chronicity of that is that um, there's sometimes a secondary gain component, okay? And I know that uh, Savan can, you know, on the on the personal injury hour can can kind of speak to this stuff better. Uh, but you know, anytime someone uh, the process of going through a car accident and the insurance stuff is quite long. Yeah. All that does is keep your attention on your pain. And one of the big things towards pain management is distraction. Yep. So if if through your whole litigation process, all you're doing is focusing on your issues, well, guess what? That overall is likely not going to help the problem. Yeah. It's going to make it worse. Now, it's a, it's a tough world because if you have to go through that process, you have to go through it. But that's the unfortunate part about where there's a lot of chronicity that's uh, created in, in car accidents or work accidents as well. Because, you know, when you're dealing with WSIB here in Ontario... 
once you have to keep going back and forth and talking about this and talking about that, you never get that 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 component of distracting yourself. And we just went right. through it. What happens when you're focused on something, you're creating neural pathways. And although, you know, you may not be focused on per se the pain, but you're talking to someone about your car accident, you're saying I've developed low back pain and blah, blah, blah. Yep. You're going through that cycle of creating a neural pathway that reminds you of that issue. And it's incredible how many people I've seen, um, in my life, in, in my career, I mean, uh, of people that were once so very healthy, were in some type of a traumatic work or car accident or slip and fall, and how serious the chronicity becomes. And and again, I don't have, you know, I'm, everything I'm saying right now, I'm saying kind of based on my own uh, perception of, of these things. I don't have research to back this up, but I'd love to look for it and also maybe do that research one day on how much that focusing on everything is creating more of a problem. And it's just... And again, it's the unfortunate reality because if you do have to go through that process, well, you can't say, well, I'm not going to think about it, right? Yeah. You you do have to think about it. Yeah. So it's a double-edged sword. Get to uh, Phyllis. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Dr. Payne, Dr. Lou, sorry. Hi. No, that's okay. They're one and the same e- guy. Yeah, either or is fine. How are you? <laughs> okay. Um, I am 57 years old. I have had my right hip replaced twice. Okay. And the pain is not going away. I am currently on medical marijuana. It's not helping me. I have been on Percocets. I was on fentanyl patch for about three years. Mm-hmm. After my second surgery, my um, orthopedic surgeon says to come off of it, but I'm not getting any relief. Okay. I am in pain 24-7. Is there anything you can suggest? Where is the pain in the hip? Um, um, my back, my... Um, Right where I had the the surgery done, yeah, it's just debilitating. Right. So you know some of the some of the people surgeons that I know that work on hips, just as an example. That and again, for me to specifically say, is there something that could help with you? I'd have to assess you. But what I can tell you is that when it comes to hip replacements, there's a couple of different ways that the pain uh, in a hip can create a problem, like can present with osteoarthritis, which is usually why people will have a hip replacement. You can have the very sharp internal groin pain. It's very specific to people who have hip issues. Most surgeons will say, I can greatly help with that. But people can also get what Phyllis is explaining here, where it's pain in the surrounding structures, the back on that side, the outside of the leg on that side. That is now more related to just the muscular issue that's being created around an area of problem. And so the hip replacement might be very good for the specific internal groin pain that you feel when the bone is hitting the bone, but it may not necessarily be the solution to the surrounding syndrome, I'll call it, of muscular pain that could be created after you have a hip replacement. So, you know, Phyllis, a couple of things. Did you do any rehab after your surgeries? Yes, the first time I um, spent um, six weeks at the rehab. The second time I had for about a month. Okay. And yeah. were, and was this stuff that was ongoing? No. No. So so here's the thing, and this is another thing when it comes to, um, uh, you know, hip replacements or any type of rehabilitation program. Part of the therapy intervention needs to be showing the person what to do every day for the rest of their lives. Getting a hip replacement, you know, let's put it this way. If you have cardiovascular disease and and they find that you have some clogged arteries in your heart and they go in and they do a bypass surgery, they're not going to say, okay, here you go, bypass surgery, go eat everything that you've ever eaten before, don't exercise ever again. All it is is kind of a second chance. 
And, and so the the key with those bypass surgeries is now, okay, great, you've got a second chance, but now let's make sure take you eat the right foods, exercise, take advantage of it. Musculoskeletal issues are not all that different. It's the same thing with a hip issue. You kind of have to identify, okay, what was going on with the hip initially? Why did this degenerate to this extent? Could it be the person's overweight? Could it be a, a multitude of factors, the way that they walk, uh, whatever? Well, the problem is I was born with hip dysplasia. Right, okay. Yeah, I was actually born with something similar uh, called avascular necrosis in the hip. So, yeah, and, and that's what I mean. So when you look at these types of things, like dysplasia in the hip, there needs to be stuff that's shown to you that you're doing even after you're done that formal rehab program or that formal therapy program so that you can do things day to day. But I definitely think you're a good type of candidate come see me let's do an assessment uh can assess the issue and there might be some things that could be done for that surrounding pain but it's probably not related anymore to uh the hip replacement per se phyllis appreciate that the number one eight five 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 five. dr lou d-r-l-o-u rick i see you there hang on the line and for you as well still got a few minutes here anyway 416-870-6400 star 640 on, on cell dr paint show talk radio am 640 Let's get to our calls as we got time here. Rick, thanks for hanging in. How are you? Hey, Rick. Nick, Nick, yes. Nick, all right. Hi. Go Hi. on, Nick. Okay, uh, my wife has been on uh, Cifrolex 20MG for two years and a half. Okay. She's edgy, she's uh, hyper, and she's depressed. For the first six months, she almost came back to normal. Okay. And after that, the medication settled and she's back to where she was. Right. She has tried some different medications that did not work. Now, uh, we got this uh, natural product called Roziva, R-H-O-Z-I-V-A, Roziva. Okay. Yep. Have you heard about it? What uh, advice can you give us? <clears throat> well, I, I mean, I, I saw the question here on the in the comment section, so I kind of quickly looked it up, and I have to be honest, I had never heard of it prior to this. The one thing that I can tell you about any of these natural supplements is, you, you know, what's your wife's issue? Edgy. Just the, like the mental illness component, like anxiety, that type of stuff, anxiety. right? Anxiety. Yeah. Of course, yeah. So so there, this this type of thing needs to be multifactorial. So when you actually look at what anxiety is, if you're looking at, you know, a pill or a natural herb to solve the issue, I think you guys are looking in the wrong area. It's a behavioral issue, okay? And medication is very important towards mental illness and anxiety. But, you know, all medications and everything that we do, our bodies tend to adapt to things. So you said that the first period of time that she was on the Ciprolex, it was great. And then she started going back. That's because the adaptation that happens, okay? And now there's other, there's tons of different medications that can be used for mental health issues like anxiety. So sometimes it's a matter of going back to your psychiatrist or whoever's prescribing that medication and saying, hey, this isn't working anymore. Is there a different blend of a medication that we can use? Sometimes they do cocktails and those types of things. But when you actually break it down to the anxiety, that edginess, that's a behavioral issue. It's often rooted in some type of belief that they have in their head that's not based in facts. And so this is where... When it comes to this type of stuff, yes, medicine, herbal stuff, whatever it is you want to use is going to be important, but you need to pair that with some type of behavioral intervention like a cognitive behavior therapy where the person is also working on changing themselves. And you know, Excuse me to interrupt you, but you hit it right on the nail, yeah. right on the head. You hit it. Yeah. And that's... She, the only relief she gets is when she is doing garden and cooking, which she loves. 
Yep. She's okay then. And Once and you know why? Because that's distraction. Exactly. Yep. And that, and that's a classic hallmark of anxiety and depression and chronic pain and all of these things. These people tend to be fine when they're doing something that distracts them or something that they love. I meet tons of people that are in chronic pain, and the only reason why I'm relating this to chronic pain is because anxiety and depression is often related with chronic pain. And I'll tell them, you know, you know, I'll start finding out about their families, and they'll tell me about their kids, and then I'll, you know, I'll get some information that they just recently had a big birthday party or something, and I'll say, "How did you feel during that big birthday party?" Yeah. I, w- I was fine. Yeah. I had zero issue. But that night, when I was at, I had a patient the other day. You know what she said to me? Chronic pain sufferer. She said, "My enemy is my bed." And I hear that all the time from people who are chronic pain, depression, anxiety sufferers, because that's when you're most alone, right? Even if you have a partner with you, they're often asleep. That's when you're in your own head. You got six, seven hours to kill, and you can create all kinds of things in that time. But in your, in Nick, in your situation with your wife, it, to answer your question, I think all of those things, whether it's a natural supplement, medication, is all very, very important. It needs to be paired with wanting to change. And oftentimes it's the loved ones like you that can realize it and want the person to change. But if that person themselves doesn't realize it's a behavioral issue that they need to change, then it's it's sometimes just a you know an uphill battle. You're right on. What can I say? She always thinks of of uh, uh, rough childhood. Yeah. Taking care of everybody in the family and nobody cared, and she it always comes back. Yeah, to and, her, and that doesn't see that doesn't mean that that's not one of the reasons. It's right. important to that could very well be part of the problem. Uh, but you know, there's ways to figure out what these issues are in your life that are really bothering you, and how you can just learn to accept them. That's the biggest thing: is these things often are not accepted by people, and there's a certain peace that happens in a mind when you can just accept that it is the way it is. Right. And and that's not to diminish what your wife went through potentially when she was younger. It's just the reality that these people have to be able to accept uh, so, certain so things. So how do you go around? How do you fix this? Well, that's, again, it, it's got to be up to her to want to get in contact with some type of mental illness expert, like a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a social worker that deals in that realm uh, and wanting to get help. Give me a call off air and I'll see if I can get you in contact with the right people. Nick, that number is one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou D R L O U. Got about a minute left, so uh, wrap it up. Good show today again. Yeah, yeah that's the the biggest thing is the, is you know the the chronic pain, the anxiety suffer. These things are are very 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 common. I can't stress that enough. And that type of personality is also more likely to have pain just because of the tension that happens, right? You, if you're stressed out about something, your body's going to respond to that. These are people that have, you know, uh, bowel issues, like irritable yeah. bowel stuff. So many things are just simply related to stress. And if you can find the underlying issue of what's going on in life and treat that underlying issue, that is truly the the solution. Like when people talk about finding the root cause of a problem uh, is, is sometimes looking at that, especially in these chronic things. But the biggest thing, like in that last case, is we had her husband call us. You need to want to take it, right. take action for your own health, and you that's bet. very, very important. One eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou D R L O U. Info at paincarecanada.com. Get that consultation happening. Start getting on the road to getting better. You could do it. Till next time, Doctor Pain Show Talk Radio, AM six forty.